Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what is up? My name is Brian Anthony Davis. The guy waving vociferously at the bottom is Tony Defio. And if this is audio only, Tony is waving. And since you can't see it, he's got an American flag. He's got fireworks. He is all decked out for July 4th. No, he's not, but he's got the Pirates hat on, which uh, he's, re- he's repping the Buckos. And speaking of... Speaking of America, you've got a guy wearing an Iron Man shirt, and there's nothing oh. more American than Marvel. Is Captain America on that shirt somewhere? Yes. Is he in the bottom there? Okay, oh, yeah. There I didn't even go. notice that. Oh, that's a great shirt. You know, <laughs> so, uh, if I may interject, one of my favorite stories I ever wrote for the fan post side, because if I put it on the regular post or regular page, I'd probably get fired, was the uh, one called the Incredible Hulk breaks, breaks the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I based it on the uh, TV show. So it's one of my favorite things I ever wrote. So that reminds me. I'm a big fan. That's a great shirt, Shannon. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. The, the Hulk's my favorite. So oh, wow. I agree with you. Yes. Okay. I, I've got to find that. I am a Captain America guy. My son is a, uh, he's definitely a Tony Stark Iron Man guy. Mm. But I, I like him all. I've, I've become a Marvel fan in the last couple of years. Love me some Ant Man. That's just mm. some good stuff there. But I got to tell you, Thor's coming out this weekend, and yes. I'm looking forward to the new Thor. Uh, always quite, they're humorous to me too. So it's mm-hmm. good stuff. Mm. But you know, I never mentioned his name, so because Tony interjected, and I do want to check out that article. But Tony, his name is Shannon White, and Shannon White is with us as always. Gosh. I'm not sure the exact date, but I think this is this has been a year of Shannon with Tony and Brian on Mondays on the hangover. And so if it's not exactly a year to the date, happy anniversary, Shannon. Just gonna say thank you. A great addition to the show. And I gosh, I'm I'm looking at the comments the other day. There uh and I'm I'm seeing comments for the uh the curtain call. And they're like, hey, this is this is our favorite show. This is the best show on BTSC. So, and then somebody else wrote, love Shannon. You know, so, I mean, I, I love to hear that. If you have not caught Shannon and Jeffrey Benedict on the Curtain Call, fantastic show. It's going to turn back into Know Your Enemy once it's once we get into the season. And Know Your Enemy is probably one of my favorite shows on the network, not because I came up with the idea for Know Your Enemy, because it used to be my article. I used to write an article called Know Your Enemy just because I like the, like the song by Green Day. Love, love me some Green Day. Um, but they talk every single week to somebody that is repping the uh, opposition. So that's something that you'll have to look out. For in just a few weeks, I mean, that's the season's coming up, and mm-hmm. we're going to be in camp in 22 days, fellas. Crazy. I, 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 I tell you what, and BTSC is going to have everything for you, so make sure you check that out. Guys, we're excited for camp, mm-hmm. but we've got to talk about, first, today being July 4th, and I wish everybody a safe and happy holiday. I, I've read some stuff today going around the nation that... Uh, uh, Thoughts and prayers going out to uh, the people in Illinois, that tragedy at a parade, um, absolutely uh, devastating. And I just want you all to remember uh, why we celebrate this day and celebrate our independence. But remember 
when you have independence and you have freedom, remember to protect the freedom of others as well. And that's one of the things that we were protecting on July 4th, 1776 on our nation's birthday. So let's get started. Gentlemen, camp is upon us. And hey, I, I could ask you the questions that we've been talking about for a long time. What should we expect for training camp? Who's going to be a surprise? What's going to happen with the defense? Is it going to be a juggernaut now that Brian Flores is there? Who's going to be starting at quarterback? We could talk about all of that stuff. And that's stuff that we've talked about and we're going to continue to talk about. And we're going to get a refresh once we get to camp. That's going to be really cool. We're going to have all kinds of new stories to be talking about. The question I want to ask you before we get into the topic of the show, do you expect any surprises in the next three weeks and one day? Shannon, I'm going to start with you. I hope not. Because <laughs> that's this this time of year, I think they're pretty much set with the roster that they're going to go into camp with at least and then see how the guys look, you know, at actual camp. And, and that'll show if they have – a position that they really think they need to a free agents or a trade, but yeah, I, I don't want to hear about any arrest <laughs> or anything like that. So I don't want any surprises between now and camp. Tony, what is up? Not a whole lot. Just uh, enjoying the AC. It's really hot outside. It's great. I'm, I'm happy fourth to everybody out there. As far as uh, any surprises, um, I don't really see any. I mean, I know people want people keep beating that left tackle drum, the the uh, left and right tackle drum. So that you might see something. It wouldn't surprise me the way they've operated the last few years. But uh, I think they're going to wait, like Shannon said, kind of see what they have once they get to camp, and then maybe make some decisions after that. Yeah, Tony, I want to talk about what you just said there, and it's <clears throat> very true what you just said, but. They have reacted the last couple of years, and they've reacted because of David DeCastro's release, mm, and then right. also day before they got started going into camp, that was a reaction because Vinnie Williams retired right, right before they start right. camp. So Melvin Ingram the third was brought in as a reaction, and I still think that was a good signing. Did it work out? No. Because there was a, uh, because really there, I don't think they had time to set the expectations and the uh, player had different expectations than the organization. Right. And that's, I understand that I'm not going to pin. I am not going to go ahead and uh, pin blame for that. Not working out. Hey, go ahead and take a look at uh, Connor Hayward. If you like Connor Hayward, He's uh, he's the guy they got in that trade. And I don't think Melvin Ingram continuing to be here would have changed anything for the Steelers and the Steelers' fortunes going down the stretch. So, you know, did that work out? No. Was that a good signing? Yeah, I thought that was a good signing as a reaction to Vince Williams. I also thought Trey Turner was a good signing as a reaction to David DeCastro. Right. And to me, I mean... Was Trey Turner great for this organization? Absolutely not. Did Trey Turner fill a hole admirably? Eh, I think so. Some people will say no. But what happens if you don't have Trey Turner last year? 
it's even worse of a situation, I think, gentlemen. So not all signings are great signings, but imagine what happens if you don't make those signings. Um, What could have happened with the whole Melvin Ingram III situation? That could have been an absolutely great signing if uh if they were on on the uh same page mm-hmm. you know if they were on the same page maybe that ends up being great but and that's go ahead tony and and then what's so what's so sorry what's so uh intriguing or uh, not even intriguing but but weird about that situation is he had you know, such a large percentage of the snaps for a backup. And I realized a lot of that was due to injury, but he was also getting uh, enough playing time even when, when both got, both the starters were, were, were healthy. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was brought in here to be a backup. I mean, I think that that's, and that's a slippery slope when you, when you sign these uh, veterans who, who have a, an impressive resume, you know, they might come in and think secretly like, Hey, I'm, I can beat this Alex Highsmith kid out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do that. And I think that was Ingram's thing. So that's, that's the only cautionary tale I think when it comes to, or one of them anyway, when it comes to signing somebody like that, you know, who's sitting out there this late in, in the off season. Yeah. You, you need to go ahead and look at expectations. Shannon, you know, we talked about the uh, right tackle and left tackle situation. We talked about the fact that, you know, that name Eric Fisher is out there. I think Eric Fisher is one of those guys that if you could bring in, he could do well, but do you think they worry about, you know, the allocation of snaps and time when they uh, approach a player like that, who is a Super Bowl champion, a former first overall pick, do you think they worry about that or they just roll the dice and bring a guy like that in if they decide to? I think it's um, where they're such a young team. The the whole face is the, the team has changed, not just with Ben leaving, but they're just, they're such a young franchise now. And I think that you have a guy with so much potential in Dan Moore Jr. based on what he did last year. I don't think – I think you want to – he's got a full season under his belt. Now you want to see what can he do in year two after a full offseason to work on his weaknesses. And and that experience that he's got that he did not have last year, I expect him to take a really good step forward. Then with the new offense and the new requirements and the more mobile – where they were going to rely more on mobility and and instead of just straight brute force, hopefully that will fit a core for his skill set much better. So, and he's only 24 years old, even though he's played four years, he's such a talented young athlete. I think that they, they would be wise to stick with <clears throat> these two young guys because the guys that are out there, let's say Fisher, if he's the best of the bunch, you kind of know what he can do. But is he going to be happy to come in and be a backup? You know, they went through that, like you said, with Ingram last year. So, so I, I expect them to go into it with and stick with Moore and Jukes. Yes, and I, I agree with you on that. But if they decide to do that, Tony, is that a reactionary decision that needs to be done maybe 10 days after camp starts if they're not loving what is going on at the time? Mm-hmm. I think at that point it would be because, you know, as Shannon said, you have, I mean, Dan Moore, he had such, he gained such valuable experience last year as at the left, at left tackle. I mean, that's a, arguably the most important position on the offensive line. And he came in and, and he, he 
he did fine. I don't know why more people aren't excited about the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in years past, that's a guy you'd be really excited about coming into a second year. Uh, so I think it'd be more reactionary. And, and, and you paid Shooks, you know, the money you paid him. And I realized they could get out of that contract after one year uh, and not, you know, hurt themselves too much. But I think, yeah, 10 days into camp, that would be a reaction. I think you, I want to see what they have in these young guys. Uh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Joe Haig as the swing tackle. Maybe other people aren't, but, but I don't, I don't see Eric Fisher wanting to come in here and, and, and be the swing tackle or whatever. I think he'd want to come in here and start. So I'm looking in the live chat right now and I'm seeing Tate boys, our buddy Tate boys. If you have not checked out his show, I absolutely love, we run the North. It is a great show. He uh, brings in different folks. He had Brandon Harriet, who's been a few times on the show who represents Cincinnati, who I think he does a very good job in the, um, talking about the teams from the North Tate boys, Kevin Tate, one of the best, uh, just want to show up. Uh, he's agreeing with Shannon. So there you go. In fact, I think we are all agreeing with Shannon on this, but it is a reactionary thing. If something happens also another BTS that I am seeing in the live chat, our boy from down under Marky D. So mm-hmm. definitely say hello to Marky mm-hmm. D and a good friend of the shows and, you're going to hear more from him state of the Steelers as well. So uh, definitely I want to, I want to just show appreciation to uh, our shows and the guys on our shows on our network that go and support our show. So thank you so much for being in the live chat gentlemen. So we brought up somebody, Dan Moore jr. Would you say, and I'm going to start with you, Tony on this one. Would you say that Dan Moore jr. Going into his second year, is not appreciated whether it be by the team or by the fans, or maybe he's appreciated by the team because he's given a, they have not brought another guy in, but, or maybe the fans keep on saying that, all right, a tackle, they don't have enough. Uh, yeah. I think, I think the team seems to be showing confidence in him because they, as you said, they didn't really draft anybody and they didn't bring in any kind of a high profile free agent. And you still have guys like Eric, Eric Fisher out there. Uh, as far as the fans, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, on, you know, uh, as a whole, I don't think the fans are, are on board with, with him. I think they're still calling for, for uh, them to bring in other people. I saw, you know, obviously Eric Fisher, that, that article was written by somebody last week. And I saw another one the other day about them making a trade for, uh, for somebody. And that was very popular. So I think the fans are still uh, by and large, they're still concerned about, about, the offensive line and namely the, uh, the tackle position. And I think they still want to bring in, they want them to bring in some, not just for depth, but to start. So I don't think they're, they're as confident in Dan Moore is maybe I think they should be and definitely not confident in shoots. I don't think they're confident in him at all. Shannon white us as fans, are we just not, do we, when a hole gets filled and the Larry Ogunjobi signing filled a hole because we were not a lot of fans weren't ready to go in with Chris Wormley full-time because of uh, the run stopping lack of ability that he has. Um, So the team absolutely agreed and went and brought a guy in. So when that happens, do the fans just go and look and say, all right, where else could we have a problem? Not that there is a problem, but all right. 
we definitely need this guy. And I'm the guy who uh, there's a few of us screaming for an, another backup running back because I don't think that's uh, that's adequate what the the team has. So I go and I'm looking for a backup running back right now. But do you think that when the fans go ahead and see a position filled, then they immediately have to go and look for the next project, the next hole that needs to be filled, Shannon? I think after the last three years, Steeler fans were passionate if for anything. And we want to see the team perform up to what, you know, if you're a younger fan, the only quarterback you maybe have ever known is Ben Roethlisberger. And if you're a fan, let's say of our age group, you've, you've, we've went through ups and downs and, and, but, there's some things we've always counted on and that'd be a tough defense and a strong running game. That, uh, that's been a reputation for the longest time. Well, when you see a year like last year where you had the worst offensive line in the league and the worst defensive line, as far as the run stopping uh, the worst run defense, I should say in the, in the NFL, you realize that those are the foundations of any successful team. So everybody's, has the best intentions. You want to see them rebuild their foundation. So I think that's why that after watching last year, nobody can say I'm comfortable with this offensive line. There has to be changes. And we've all seen the changes they made to the interior and they've added talent and, and hopefully they've really strengthened it because there was too much pressure coming up the middle. And they also couldn't open holes in the middle, but now, you know, it's natural that you, we want to remember, it seems like the, the bad times stick in our mind. And we remember the games where more struggled, you know, where he was barely, uh, you know, keeping uh, Garrett from killing Ben, you know, in, in under two seconds. But if you, were, if you really were watching, he got better as the year went along. And that second time he went up against Garrett, he played much, much better. And so I, I think that, that people are just like, I remember last year, they might not have followed as closely in the offseason and realized that the stores have made a lot of improvement. And we want to see them, you know, offensive line, defensive line, you know, or as you say, backup running back. But I can't judge any of the skill position players based on the last year's offense because None of the running backs looked good other than Harris. And, you know, he had to do Herculean things to be successful. So, I, you know, the Steelers will have to decide if Benny Snell and, and McFarlane and, and these undrafted guys, if they can be the answer. Because you, they really haven't had a fair opportunity, to be honest. Tony, who do you feel is the most underappreciated on this team right now where did we just hit it is it dan moore jr is there somebody else on this team that you feel does not get the appreciation that they deserve well i think you hit on it uh in the in the uh, pre uh production of the show we were talking about off off air and that's terrell Edmonds. i mean look at how many people were clamoring for uh them to sign the honey badger <laughs> back in the winter time and you know i think Edmonds is the fine young solid player. So I, I think he's somebody that has never gotten his due here. 
we all know he was overdrafted. We all know uh, he probably should have been drafted in the second or third round. And if he would have been drafted there, he would have been appreciated more. But, you know, even having said that, he's still a fine, solid player, and he's not a liability. So I think he is definitely their most uh, underappreciated player on the entire 53-man roster. Shannon, what does Terrell Edmonds need to do to become a fan favorite or get more appreciation or doesn't even matter to Terrell Edmonds as long as the team continues to bring him on. I know he's on a one, one year deal, but he's auditioning. He's auditioning for other teams, but he is mainly auditioning for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a permanent role here. Do you, what does this guy have to do, man? Turnovers. Splash plays. I mean, if he, if he would have made splash plays more frequently, the Steelers would have picked up the option and they wouldn't have been able to afford it. But because he doesn't, and he's just solid all around, solid teammate, solid, reliable, durable, he does everything but makes splash plays. <laughs> uh, he's great in covering the tight end. Again, uh, a real weakness for the team till he came on board. Uh, as Tony said, he's considered overdraft. He was overdrafted. Uh, I've, I think the guys picking in the first round starter, like Edwards is, I don't consider that being overdrafted because there's a lot of first round selections that bomb mm-hmm. and not just quarterbacks. And so I think Edwards has been a, a solid player. And now this year, if he shows, you know, he gets a few turnovers, you know, whether it be forced fumbles, interceptions, uh, I think the market might be there for him. But it's affected him, obviously, because he didn't have a big market this year in free agency, even though I think he's a really solid player. So I think he's more valuable to the Steelers than he was other things. You know, Shannon, I want to ask you a follow-up on this. You know, it took Honey Badger a long time to sign, too. And it seemed like safeties did not fly off the shelf right away. In other years, they do. So what was it about safeties this year that didn't get their acclaim. And now, after Minka Fitzpatrick signs the big deal, you're seeing other teams approach their safeties and now getting ready to pay them and wanting to pay them more. Yeah, I think a lot of people was waiting. They wanted to have the first... They didn't want to be the one to set the market. Like this offseason, the Jacksonville Jaguars set the new wide receiver market and they set it high because, you know, they overpaid for some guys and nobody wanted to do that as safety. And uh, now that, you know, um, Honey Badger signed and uh, as you said, Fitzpatrick, now you're seeing other teams saying, okay, we got a baseline. And now we'll lock these guys up. But uh, a safety like Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, we know what his value is. And when you have, he is such a, Edwards is such a good running mate and a partner for Fitzpatrick. There's absolutely no way he, the store should have got him at the price they got him. It was almost insulting. Uh, You know, I feel sorry for him uh, because he's worth more than that. You know, Tony, the Steelers also on draft day, and this was an under the radar signing because right after they made their seventh pick, they announced that they were going to be signing Damonte Kazee, or at least Kazee's agent, announced it. And they didn't really announce that signing until Monday. But they made that move. 
And by bringing in a guy like DeMonte Kazee, do you think that is a slight to a guy like Terrell Edmonds? Or are you more like Coach KT Smith, who loves the idea of, of the fact that this team might use three safety sets? Honestly, based on the way um, you know, Kevin Coward didn't exactly give uh, Edmonds a ringing endorsement during the offseason when he talked about him. And of course, the, the figures that they the figure that they signed him for two and a half million for a one year deal. Uh, I think that's a, that's a, a, a slight. And I think it's a it's a uh, an indication that they're not happy with the st- strong safety position and they feel like they can they can get better there and maybe if not with Edmonds, with, with somebody else. I think they're they're still searching for a, a an upgrade, and I don't think they feel at this point that Edmonds is is the answer. Which again, like Shannon said, it's it, it's like I can't believe I got, you know usually the way these teams operate in free agency, the NFL. I mean, they overpay for everybody, <laughs> just about except for in twenty twenty one because of the, the the cap issues with the pandemic. But this year, everything was back to normal. And a guy like that, a solid young guy who, who contributes uh, in ways that people don't realize, like Shannon always points out, you know, covering the tight end, which was a major weakness for them for so many years. And the fact that he didn't get a, a solid starting uh, uh, multi-year uh, contract for a starter, it's just, it's just I, I just can't believe it. So I think Kazee is definitely somebody who's here to potentially uh, take Edmund's job, if not this year, then maybe uh, after this year. Oh, wow. Very interesting stuff there. You know, the the thing, and this is another one of the Brian Anthony Davis uh, questions that really can't be answered, but this guy's led the team in defensive snaps the, since basically since he's been here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And imagine if he's not in there. Imagine, right. imagine how tight ends could have torn this team up mark andrews does well against the steelers but he didn't tear that tear him up this year kelsey right. didn't really tear them up this year right kelsey's gonna be kelsey but yeah. they, they they held kelsey a while before before he made some big plays in both of those games so and i think a lot of that you know comes comes down to the fact that terrell edmonds is really good but He's not splashy like like you both said, and that probably hurts him here. But I don't want to imagine life without him right now because I think that defense needs a solid unsung hero, and I think it is Terrell Edmonds. So let's move on to the most underappreciated guys on the team, and we're also going to go through history. Guys that have been unsung heroes for this team that uh, you just don't think of when you, even when you think of the Super Bowl champions as well. But somebody in the live chat brought this up, and and it is Bob Yeager brought up Mason Rudolph. <laughs> I think Mason Rudolph is probably the most underappreciated, uh, because here's the thing: whether he is your your starting quarterback or if he is your number two. He doesn't get the respect in any of those positions. And we saw him as a number two in 2019 be very solid. Then he got his world rocked by Earl Thomas and the Baltimore Ravens. And at the end of that season, when 
Duck Hodges started, let's let's just say it struck midnight on Duck Hodges, the Cinderella story, and everybody was clamoring for Mason Rudolph, and when he gets hurt, then there's a, then there's a, they're lamenting Mason Rudolph, but they sure don't appreciate him when he's healthy. Shannon, your thoughts on Mace? My thoughts on Mace. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I've said it all along, and I think that Rudolph can be a good backup quarterback. If if he will ever embrace that, uh, I think that he he's the kind of guy that I think could come in off the bench and and keep you in the game or get you you know he's like he's not a a guy that's going to come in like uh, Fitzpatrick was Ryan Fitzpatrick you know a gunslinger that that's not who Rudolph is but uh, I think he has you know excellent backup potential could have his a lengthy career that way kind of like Tommy Maddox but he he's not a franchise guy. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that means he's underrated or the, those of us that see that, uh, I, I wouldn't say he's underappreciated. I, I think it's more, uh, the reality of it, but, um, one thing I will say real quick about Edmonds, the last thing is Edmonds is not good at his brand. Remember Juju and, and Clay, these guys that are good at selling themselves and their brand, and they focus on that. And Edwards, he, he's just not like that. He's he's unassuming. Uh, he don't even celebrate after he makes a big tackle or a play. He's he's just very workmanlike. So I think that sometimes you got to toot your own horn to be heard, hmm. and that's not Edwards. So I just wanted to put that in there. But you know what? Minka doesn't really celebrate his brand. And that, I mean, I, I really don't think Minka has that much of a brand. Now, we know TJ does. You know, TJ does celebration. Uh, and, you know, TJ does endorsements. He has a brand, but he does it differently than Juju or Chase Claypool would do. And Chase Claypool's not even doing it as much as a lot of people think that they do. Uh, if you listen to uh, Dave Schofield's podcast from a couple weeks back on the Stat Geek, very telling stuff on that. Uh, very interesting to listen to. Um, actually, uh, not Dave's, excuse me. Uh, that was Jeff Hartman's on Let's Ride. It was an excellent show. So that's one go back in the ar- archives and archives and check out. But the thing about uh, the thing that you said, and I agree with what you're saying, Shannon, but. Pittsburgh's blue collar, and you would think that they're going to celebrate the blue collar guy that is Edmonds. But I think Tony hit it on the head, and it's a theory we've had a, a long time that if he was a second or third round draft pick, then you know, then he's the guy that that everybody loves. Back mm-hmm. to Mason Rudolph. Here's a question for you guys. I'm going to ask this to both of you, but I'm going to start with Tony. The game I went to last year, freezing rain. It was a freezing rain day. It was against the Detroit Lions. Ben, in the last seconds of Saturday, test positive for COVID. He's out. Mason Rudolph is in. And sure, Mason gets first-team snaps on Wednesdays, but really wasn't involved in the game plan that week leading up to it. That could be an excuse, but as a backup quarterback, you've got to be ready for everything. Another unanswerable question, Tony. 
Mason pulls off that game and wins that game against Detroit, what happens? Is he appreciated a little bit more as a backup quarterback? I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think people had already made their minds up about him before, before Detroit. And, uh, you know, if Deontay doesn't fumble, if Pat Fryermuth doesn't fumble at the very end, maybe it's a different outcome and they win. But just based on his performance as a whole in that game, he didn't really do a whole lot to, to change any minds. And, you know, it's a, it's a, I've said this many times, it's such a, a weird thing with a, a backup, a young backup quarterback, because they really don't get much of a chance to, to develop because they're always on the bench, you know? So when they come in, um, uh, they're expected, you know, they have to, they have to rise up right to the challenge right away. And if they don't, then, you know, when people make their minds up on these guys, that their opinions hard pretty quick and it's hard to, to change those. And he did have a full season, basically 10 games or whatever in 2019. But as we talked about back then, I mean, they really didn't tailor the, they kind of went out of their way to, to play it safe with him instead of really letting, uh, him cut it loose, even though he was, you know, he was a young guy. He was only in his second year. So he was essentially a rookie. He didn't play at all the, the previous year. So um, I don't think it would have mattered. You know, I think this is, this is going to be the life of the relationship between Steelers fans and quarterbacks over the next, however many years until they find the next one. I'm sorry, uh, Mitch Trubisky and, and Kenny Pickett, but this could be you in the near future. Uh, you know, it's just how it is. I mean, uh, that's, we focus on the quarterback and I'm no different than anybody else. But you know, if these guys don't come through, then they're they're going to be they're going to be criticized, and 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 a guy like Mason Rudolph is never going to be appreciated until he until he does something, um, to to until he has that it moment. Uh, God bless him, Charlie Batch. For some reason, he was the only backup quarterback that was able to break the code and and be a, a backup, and everybody loved him. Maybe because he was from here. Uh, he had a dog. Everybody knew about the dog, and he, and he, he talked about the dog, so that, that helped. Uh, but he's the only one. I mean, everybody else, other than Ben, <laughs> they eventually uh, uh, <coughs> caught some strays, as they say, uh, from the fans. Uh, I'll give you one more that I thought had the appreciation of fans. It was Mike Tomzak. I think they yeah. gave him some appreciation as a backup quarterback. That might be revisionist history. I I'm not back in time. Um, I know he wasn't the guy they wanted starting in 2006. It was supposed to be Jim Miller. That didn't last long. They knew Cordell was behind them, but I, he took that team to an 11 and five record and, or excuse me, a 10 and six record and to the playoffs, but he probably wasn't the guy to lead the team. But I, I think they gave him a lot of respect as a backup quarterback. Shannon, I'll give you real quick on Mason. Well, somebody mentioned it in the comments. Um, the offense has always been built around Ben, and it's going to be anybody that's a backup behind a franchise quarterback, that's the case. So I, I don't want to judge the quarterback play or skill position play behind that offensive line, as we've talked about for the last three years, has been subpar. But the truth is the preseason is pretty much the same for all these backup quarterbacks. He's one year he got beat out by Joshua Dobbs outplayed last year. It was Haskins. You know, he he's had opportunities to at least seize the number two position and, and give people confidence that he can be the guy when being left. And he, he's never been able to do that. Um, I say he's selling, he's Neil O'Donnell 
I mean, on a really strong team with a great defense, strong running game, he can win games for you. But he's not going to be a franchise guy. So I believe that Trubisky is more talented, and I believe Pickett has more of an opportunity to be a franchise guy than Rudolph. So uh, I I don't know how much opportunity. I, I believe they're going to give him a chance, but he's going to have to show something quickly at camp and in the preseason that he's never showed before to be considered. Now, don't get me wrong. I am. Uh, I will be very disappointed if Mason Rudolph is a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, ever at this point. I'm not looking for him to be one. And I'm just asking the question if he's appreciated. That's it. I mean, I'm yeah. not... I, I'm not endorsing him. I'm not wearing my number two jersey. I'm not. I don't have a. I, that's one of the few jerseys I don't have. Go but, team Mason. <laughs> or like, like I said, like uh, our good friend Kyle Christ calls him Mace. Uh, I think I've never heard anybody call Mace, and now he's become Mace, and now I call him Mace because I'm listening to that. Uh, so let's talk about one more guy here who is appreciated now. Because it's a situation of don't know what you got until it's gone. And it's Tyson Alawalu. We're thrilled to have him back. But how much was Tyson Alawalu appreciated on that line between Stefan Tuitt and Cam Hayward over the years? When he goes out, you're like, wow, we really needed that guy. (laughs) And But Tyson, very good player for this team. And I, when he left for Jacksonville, the same thing. People realized that, oh, yeah, he had a good season last year, but he's older. But they were upset when he left. And when he came back, we were celebrating. We finally celebrated. But we Cinderella'd him. We did not know what we had until it was gone as Steeler fans with Tyson. So I think that's a guy that you could look at. I think that could be a thing with a guy like I'm not seeing all the guys we talked about on this list, but I think with a Terrell Edmonds, yeah, it definitely could be. Real quick, gentlemen, I'm going to give you guys each an opportunity to throw in a player from the past who you feel was the most, who was very underappreciated on this team. Robert Codding says Joe Gillum, and I absolutely agree. He was just here at a different time, and he he did not... Uh, and Bradshaw, who finally got it together, and once he got it together, there was nobody else. There wasn't Terry Hanratty anymore. There wasn't Joe Gillum anymore. So I, I definitely understand that. I, I thought Joe Gillum could have been a better quarterback in this league. Um, Joe Gillum might have been uh, born too early. That, that could be – I always feel that about, about Cordell Stewart. I think if Cordell Stewart was playing – in today's football, you would not be – I mean, he would probably be a much bigger player than a Lamar Jackson um, and a, a lot of these players. So, gentlemen, I, I basically threw out two right there. Shannon, do you have an underappreciated player from the past? Yeah, this is a guy that I always had so much respect for was Randy Gross. Hmm. And the reason why, I don't know why, with all the talent on those teams, it seemed like, man, it was a key, you know, third and six, third and seven. 
and everybody's keying on these Hall of Fame receivers and and Franco and Rock. And it seemed like he's the guy that kept coming through in huge moments so many times. And and you never hear nobody talk about him. Because you know he wasn't a great athlete, he wasn't a big guy. He was, you know, but man, was he reliable? And and I've always appreciated those kind of guys because without Randy Grossman, they wouldn't have won maybe two of them Super Bowls, but definitely one of them because the, what a big playoffs he had that one year. And I'm trying to think. I think it was in '78. He was huge in '78. Yeah, he uh, he really came up for that team. But they also. In 77, what do they do? Number one draft pick, Benny Cunningham. Yeah. Tony, I thought that was a good one from Shannon. Tony, what are your thoughts on yours? This might this might surprise people based on what he accomplished here, but I'm bringing it up based on what he accomplished here, and that's Jason Gilden. When he, he, he was a steady, just a great outside linebacker here, uh, and he's definitely part of that heritage that they have at the position. Mm-hmm. And when he left here, he was the all-time leader in sacks. But yet nobody ever talks about him, you know, and, and, you know, you talk, obviously there's Ham, Lamb. I mean, both inside and outside linebacker. There's so many great ones that have come through here, but specifically outside linebacker, you know, Ham, uh, Lloyd, even Merriweather, uh, of course, uh, Harrison, uh, PZ, Porter, Porter uh, obviously. Did you TJ say Lloyd Whitenall, and Green? Lloyd and Green. Yeah, yeah. all those guys. And, and Jason Gilden, he comes in, he was, he was drafted and then he was, he became Green's replacement when green left after the uh, Super Bowl year in 95, when he left as a free agent and he went on meeting Gilden, he went on to be the all-time sack leader and for a Steeler organization, so many great defenses and defensive heroes over the years, that says something. And people just don't ever talk about the guy. So I think he's somebody who, because of what he accomplished here and for such a prestigious position uh, relative to the team, the Steelers, I think you know, Jason Gilden is definitely somebody who maybe should be celebrated a, a little bit more. I could go on forever about this. I could throw a bunch of them out. Uh, you know, definitely John Kolb is a guy that I would bring up. I would actually, uh, this would probably uh, upset a lot of people. I would actually say Dwayne Washington. I thought mm. Dwayne Washington was uh, definitely one that I thought was definitely underappreciated here. Brian Brown gr- brings up a really good one. Darren Perry, the interception artist, Darren Perry. Lake got all the love. Perry had all the picks. I love it. Robert Codding's on fire. You could tell where that uh, Robert was uh, loving the Steelers in the seventies. Frank Lewis, Woo. yeah, I mean Frank Lewis was. I mean Frank Lewis went to the Pro Bowl with Buffalo after he left Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and but they picked Didn't... up Swan Stallworth, and they had another guy that I'm going to put on the most underappreciated team. And I know Tony's going to love it when when I say this because this is a guy that we love. There's two guys, Shannon, that if you know Tony and I, there's two guys that we talk about all the time from the 80s. And the one is going to be Frank Pollard. Yes. I knew that one. The other one, the big one, he goes to the USFL, almost gets 2,000 yards in a season. Jim Smith. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Tony, (laughs) Tony says that this team might win the Super Bowl in 84 if Jim Smith is on that team and not in the USFL. It was such a, hey, such a prolific offense that year uh, with uh, Lips and Stallworth. He had, you had Jim Smith in there. I mean, Mark Malone was actually pretty good that year, believe it or not, <laughs> when, he, when he finally got stepped in there to be the starter for David Woodley. So, yeah, that could have been 
that could have been one dynamic offense that rivaled uh, the uh, Dolphins. I know it sounds crazy to say, but yeah, I mean, he, he could have been a real difference maker mm-hmm. for them. Sherry Richards says Mike Wagner. Of course, he was lost in the shuffle. He he had a lot of pro, pro Bowls to his name, but I'll bring up that. Robert Cotting, Ernie Holmes, Dwight White. Of course, Mike O'Malley says L.C. Greenwood should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, absolutely. Um, George Teston brings up Rich Ehrenberg, Ouija Thompson, and of course, Craig Wolfley. Oh, I gotta love Wolf. But mm-hmm. I, I really like Rich Ehrenberg, too. I he was something special guys. We could probably go on and on on this. I'm going to bring up one last guy. When you're talking Dan Moore jr. Who do I compare Dan Moore jr. To in the past, they have the same number. They were a late, he was a later round draft pick and he ended up playing a long time on this offensive line. Number 65, John Jackson. Mm. Love John Jackson. That that was one of my guys too. Um, Michael O'Malley says Bad has some mad knowledge. It's just from man living and breathing this team for all these years. This this is what this is what impressed me. That's I uh, I knew these guys because I had football cards and I just they were my heroes back then. I had fifty three heroes. I I could tell you <laughs> the name of the twelfth round pick in nineteen eighty four, Elton Veals, just because. Just because I can, because I just followed that team madly. George uh, Teston says uh, Terry Long as well, Brian Brown, yeah. Merrill Hodge. Uh, I love it. I, I love talking about the old guys, and we'll we'll probably do some stuff like this the next couple of weeks uh, as we're getting ready for camp, gentlemen. It was a fantastic day. Thanks for the time, mm-hmm. fellas. Get to your July fourth festivities please enjoy the rest of the day please be safe the rest of the day um remember fireworks uh they could jason pierre paul you they could take your hand off and (laughs) you don't want to do that and uh, i'm not saying that as a joke um it it happened in florida over the weekend somebody lost their hand with fireworks (laughs) again so be careful with that actually me i leave it to the professionals because i would be that guy um, so with that being said, there's three things that you need to do. And the number one thing, especially on this day is be safe, but also be true to yourself. Always be behind the steel curtain and four, remember why we celebrate independence day. I'm going to add that one for today. And you know what? I mean, Roddy, Roddy Piper said it best. Just when you think you've got all the answers. And I believe he said, just what you think you've got all the answers, Tony Defio. We keep changing the questions. Shannon White. Woo! That's all for us. BTSC Nation, we love you. Happy 4th of July. We will see you here next week. Blessings to you all. For Shannon, for Tony, it's bad, and we're out. Stop and check it out. Models are bad.